2021 is looking up. New beginnings mean new opportunities to grow your business. If part of your strategy is adding new members to your team, LinkedIn Jobs finds the right person quickly. To make things better, your first job post is free. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 722 million members worldwide. And getting started is easier than ever with new features to help you find qualified candidates quickly. Post a job with targeted screening questions, and LinkedIn will get your role in front of more qualified candidates. You can manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view on the familiar LinkedIn.com as functions are streamlined onto one simple screen. And now you can do it all from your mobile device, no matter where the day takes you. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn jobs. And now you can post a job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash I again, linkedin.com slash I to post a job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay. Overnight reaction pod Baylor beats Gonzaga in a stunning performance, a dominant showing in the national championship game. GP and I have an hour's worth of conversation waiting for you right now. It's Tuesday, April 6, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and wow, 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 wow. The title game of the 2021 NCAA tournament, it was played Monday night inside Lucas Oil Stadium, downtown Indianapolis. It was a beatdown. I can't imagine many people saw coming. Final score, Baylor 86 Gonzaga 70, total domination from start to finish. Baylor opened on a 9-0 run, led by double digits, barely four minutes in, led by 20 with a little more than 10 minutes to go. Gonzaga never got closer than nine points in the second half. It was a blowout in every possible way. So Scott Drew's Bears are the 2021 national champion. Shouts to Bill Henderson. Shouts to Jared Butler's family. Shouts to Terry Teagle, legend, dead leg. Explain what we just saw. Hold on a second here. Are you not going to shout out the Drew family? Is that coming later? I mean, I figure you got you got them lined up here. I wanted to try to get to you as soon as possible. The Drew family will be properly recognized. Okay. Trust. <laughs> Watch one shining moment with the Drew family tonight, just so you know. I had a question for Bryce, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, man, you could tell within two minutes... That Baylor was, like obviously, by the, the score. But in the building, watching it as close as I could possibly watch it from press row, Baylor was ready. In fact, my lead anecdote in my column, my overnight column, is it's, Baylor gets introduced, team introductions. And I don't know if the TV cameras caught this or not. But then they're done. They go first. Gonzaga gets introduced. Davion Mitchell is standing there. Arms crossed, not moving. Like a couple of other Baylor players, many of them are just kind of milling about. Davion Mitchell is staring down Gonzaga 
at the start of this game. And I'm like, all right, I'll take note of this in case he has a good game or Baylor wins. Yeah, a little bit. Hit the first basket of the game. They were off and running. Gonzaga was overwhelmed immediately. I did think Gonzaga was going to be able to gather itself, Parrish, and eventually make this something of a game. But once it got to 16-4, to after it started 11-1, to I thought, if Corey Kispert doesn't start get going here, because Drew Timmy's a, he's a straight-up liability right now. That was the most impressive thing to me, was that Baylor just outperformed, outgutted, outwilled, and overwhelmed Gonzaga in so many ways to the point where, I hate to go all Jeff Goodman on you here, I did receive a couple of texts from head coaches in the first half, and they were saying, this isn't totally surprising me because if you have either played against Baylor or you've scouted them, you know that when they are this good, they are capable of doing this. And Gonzaga, although it had played some good teams, it had not faced a team like Baylor. It wasn't ready for it, and it wasn't. We talked on the previous podcast about how we thought that Baylor winning this game and doing it by more than a possession or two was certainly in the realm of possibility, but we put a low percentage on it. Nobody had this. Nobody had undefeated Gonzaga getting outclassed from the first second until the final buzzer. Congrats to Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears. We can have a little bit of fun with them in a little bit because they are the unofficial team of the podcast. It's amazing. I don't think it's a coincidence, by the way, that that, that, that program's ascension basically coincides with us randomly stumbling into Terry Teagle's statistics like three and a half years ago. Just saying. Great on them. One of the most impressive performances in a national championship game in recent history as far as I'm concerned. I can't tell you how many Baylor fans walking by the set post game while we're live on television were shouting out Bill Henderson and Terry Teagle yes. <laughs> in yes. my direction. Yes, that's what it I want to hear. It was GP, shouts to Terry Teagle. The worst pandemic of my lifetime. <laughs> they were having a blast. I'm sitting there trying to be all serious on television. Everybody's shouting out Bill Henderson and Terry Teagle. Um, you watch the game inside Lucas Oil. We have to watch the game uh, from a, gr- a green room uh, right out, right, right next to our outdoor sets because you know we do a pregame show and then we got to eat dinner <laughs> and then we have like meetings, socially distanced mask on and then you know we we have a show that comes on right after the game so we don't get to go to the actual national championship game and so i'm sitting there and you know in this room it's me and uh brent stover uh you know uh, steve lapis wally zerbiak ryan hollins uh sherry uh, sherry burris you know the 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 whole crew and one of the it, it was when, when Baylor opened 11 to one, Wally Zerbiak, I'll give him credit. He said, this is over. They can't play with them. It's over. They can't play with them. And I said, over, over, like over. He's like, this is over. He like, he said, I can see it. They cannot play with these guys. And you know, I, I didn't think it was over as much as Wally thought it was over, but Wally's point was it took me about five minutes to see that Gonzaga looked small they looked unathletic, relatively speaking. They looked weak, relatively speaking. And they looked like they they were in – it was like if they were a boxer, they went up a weight class, and they weren't ready for it. And um, I think Lapp in the postgame actually made the point that the worst thing that happened to Gonzaga is that 
that December game got canceled. Because if you would have played it and took this then, you would have been better prepared for it. You would have known. Uh, because Mark Few started searching in the middle of the game and just mm-hmm. could, could never get any – like, they couldn't stop him. So he goes zone. And, you know, Gonzaga doesn't want to play zone that many possessions. But Mark felt like, we can't guard these guys. We can't stop them. And then on the other end, it was the exact opposite thing. They couldn't get into their offense on some possessions. Um, it, it was incredible to watch. And, you know, obviously my Twitter mentions get <laughs> complicated pretty quickly <laughs> after what I said on the podcast. And I'll, I'll own it. You know, I could not have been more wrong. We were discussing how this thing might play out. And I did say, like, I can envision Baylor winning the game. Of course I can. Uh, but, and I can also envision Gonzaga winning the game by double digits. You know, this is a team that's 31-0 with 29 double-digit wins. Uh, two games ago, they ran USC off the court, and USC was, USC was a top-10 Kimpom team with a, you know, Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, you know, future top-five pick in the middle. It didn't matter. They just ran them right off the court. So I could see that, too. And you actually, you know, we were going back and forth on it, and I said, the one thing that I can't see is Baylor just running away from Gonzaga. That's the one I can't see. Because there has been nothing in this season that's happened now for a minute that suggests that is a likely scenario. And I will stand by the second part of that. There was nothing that happened in this season that suggested that was a likely scenario. But, boy, Baylor ran away from him early and then kept them at distance, and for 40 minutes, with few exceptions, looked like the better basketball team. Sometimes we get into a situation where the better team doesn't win. Uh, you know, I, I, Honestly, no disrespect to 2015 Wisconsin, but I just think that was a situation where the better team didn't win when it played Kentucky in the Final Four. I don't think this was then. I don't think Gonzaga would get blown out every game if you played this game five times in a row. No, but but I do think Baylor was the better team. They looked, they looked, they looked stronger. They looked more athletic. They looked quicker. You know, I won't get into the other stuff like hungrier and more focused. I mean, because how do you even quantify that? But like athleticism, you can quantify that. Um, stronger, you can quanti- You you can you can see that. Uh, Gonzaga looked completely overwhelmed in a way that they had never looked this season and in a way that if I'm being honest, I did not expect. Yeah. I mean, Gonzaga not having real depth actually hurt them in this game. Uh, Anton Watson played 13 minutes. Aaron cook played 10. They didn't really do much. I was, (laughs) Man, oh, man. I, I will say this. Uh, we had that long discussion on the podcast, which was actually yesterday, I guess. Or Sunday. It's now Tuesday. What is time? Where I, I, I made the case that Gonzaga was an all-time team no matter what happened. I do think this loss is bad enough where I'm going to have to walk some of that back. But I also give it to Baylor. See, they've got to be the same thing, Okay. If Gonzaga was going to be that good and was on the precipice of history and being one of the best teams ever, then Baylor knocking them off the way they did means that Baylor is one of the best teams, at least in modern history. 28-2, and if they don't have a COVID pause, this has me recalibrating their entire season, thinking if they never had to go on COVID pause, they were friggin' fantastic at the end of January. They went on COVID pause for 21 days on the start of February. They Who knows who's to say for sure, of course. I bet you pizzas that they would go undefeated. 
Well, guess what? Dead leg? I got I got those babies waiting for me when I get home. That's right. And you were wrong. They lost oh, twice. I, oh, but but to your point, but of course I was wrong. But if they never go on COVID pause, I think it is possible. I'm not going to sit here and try to insist anything. Yeah. If they never go on COVID pause, I think it's possible they're an undefeated national champion, and then it's over for 1976 Indiana. It's not over, by the way. <laughs> it's not over for them. It's over for Gonzaga. <laughs> It's over for Gonzaga, unfortunately. Um, real- oh, it's also over for Corey Kispert, top 10 draft pick. Uh, seems like a likelihood. That's right. Kispert had 12 points, and he shot 5 of 12 from the field, but he did not have a good night. Andrew Nembhard did not have a good night. Drew Timmy did not have a good night. He had 12. Suggs, Suggs kind of sugged his way to 22. Suggs is the only one on the court in a Gonzaga uniform who looked athletic enough to play with those guys. Yeah, and it shouldn't be like that, but it was. I mean, Mitchell at 15, Jared Butler, 22, and we talked about this maybe five episodes ago where Jared Butler was their best player for most of the season. Mitchell had become that in the tournament, but good for Jared Butler who... we talked about this last season because I did a story on it. But if you aren't aware, I did a, a, a feature on Jared Butler a year ago. He was a 13-year-old chunky kid at a high school basketball game that Scott Drew was at recruiting. Like, it might have been Rico Gathers. or I don't know who it was. He was recruiting someone, though. And Jared Butler was there with his dad, and he was like, oh, that's the coach at Baylor. He's 13. He might be 12 at the time. And his dad goes, go up and ask him for a picture. And he's, like, all nervous to do it. And... um the story's in my linked in my column, so if you want to read it, you can go back and read that. But I just love this idea that that's how they met, and then he's the player more than anyone else that lifted them to a title on on Monday night and was the MOP, and rightfully so. You know, he was uh, he was awesome. He was in his bag. Macy Oteague also had 19. Mark Vidal had a huge. He had the block that got him out into transition that led to the three pointer. Was it Mitchell? I can't remember, but that was the one where everyone was saying it was the dagger. I think it put him up like 16 with 12 and a half to go. I know there's 12 and a half to go when it happened there, but Vital had his spots as well. What a performance by Baylor. Phenomenal, really. I, this, I just can't insist enough that this was one of the most impressive showings in the title game. Now, some of that is opponent considered, and some of it is just if you watch how the game played out. Man, they the window was cracked in the second half, I guess, until a certain point, but it never opened full, fully, and Gonzaga couldn't take advantage. And, whew, Scott Drew, he's the focus of my column for the most part. 18 years at this 18 job. 18 years. 18 years. 18 years. That's right. Um, Got you for one of them kids. Yeah, exactly. It's 2.30 in the morning. We're podcasting. What do you want? By the way, we're podcasting before... And when I left, when I left press row, Pat Forty, Pete Thamel, I was like, "You guys gonna get in on that? Are you gonna get in on that overnight podcast game? You think you can just step into this right now?" I told them I was gonna call them out on the pod. They weren't ready, but they got poor Dan Wetzel sitting at home in Michigan, waiting on waiting on them. They're not used to this. They're not. They're not. They weren't. They weren't they're born not, and bred not, into it like you and I were. They're not about this life. They're not about this life. They're not yeah. shouting out Terry Teagle. They're not Let's doing see. any of it. Let's see them record it till three in the morning and then be on HQ <laughs> three hours later. We love those guys. And uh, I got I got some kind words from them about our podcast. Uh, they do listen. So I'm uh, giving a shout out back to them. Um, but anyway, great job by Scott Drew. What he's been able to do here 
is this is the coronation and culmination of the greatest program reinvention in men's college basketball history. For us, for a younger set of our audience, it's hard to accurately depict to you how much of a mess, and we don't need to spend five minutes on it because we've talked about it before, but just now that he's won the title, Parrish, what that was in 2003, and the fact that he went to that press conference and that got some run there in the past 48 hours where he said, I think we can win a national championship at this program, and he does it 18 years later after two NCAA investigations, one that had nothing to do with him, and another that was tied to people saying Scott Drew's a cheater, Scott Drew's a phony. These are things I touch on in the column. Gets past all that, makes a couple of elite eights, and just shrugs it off the whole time. Does it his way. He can't coach. This guy doesn't know how to coach. 18 years in, he's the happiest man in college basketball tonight and on top of the sports mountain. Good on him. Good on Baylor. Program history. Not even Bill Henderson could do this. That's amazing. Uh, let me run you through some of the numbers. Baylor shot 44.8% from the field, 43.5% from three, 88.9% from the free throw line. They made 10 three-pointers. They grabbed 16 offensive rebounds. They finished with eight steals. They just took the ball away from them. They would just take the ball away. Finished with eight steals, which played a role in Gonzaga finishing with 14 turnovers. Baylor took 67 shots in the game. Gonzaga only took 49. So the Bears took, took 18 more shots than the Zags, and it was largely because they grabbed missed shots and just took the ball away from Gonzaga. Gonzaga shot 51% from the field, but lost by a billion because Baylor got so many extra possessions and because Baylor outscored him by 15 points from the three-point line. Corey Kispert, just two of seven from three. Gonzaga as a team, just five of 17 from three. The Zags were actually pretty good from two. Great from two. Shot 62.5% inside the arc. That's nearly their average. With The average is 63.9, which led the country. But again, Baylor had an offensive rebounding percentage of 43.2. That's 5.9 percentage points better than their average. And Mark Vidal, just six foot five. Now, six foot five, 250. He's a man. He got eight offensive rebounds by himself. Um, just an incredible performance on both ends of the court in every way you can measure such things. And back to Kisper, it's always fun watching uh, these games with, you know, former NBA players who know they know what it looks like, it, it, but, but don't like live and die with the mock grass. But every once in a while, they'll hear me say, you know, Corey Kisper projected lottery pick, you know, you know, and, you know, they got Jalen Suggs projected top five pick and then Corey Kisper, who, you know, some people think could go in the top 10. So we're watching this game tonight. And it was very early on. I don't want to out anybody, but like very early on, the NBA players were like, who calls him a top 10 pick? <laughs> he cannot be a top 10 pick. Like what, what, what he can't play in this game. How's he going to play in that game? Like you could take him somewhere, but you can't take a guy who can't play in this game in the top 10 of a draft. And oh, by the way, he keeps missing all the shots that you say he makes. It was a rough stretch for Corey Kispert. I still think he's a first-round pick, but where, wherever you had him in your mock draft four days ago, you, that needs to be updated. Because when he got into a game with athletes, he couldn't get free. He couldn't put the ball on the floor. Um, the missed shots were just the missed shots, whatever. Like, he'll make those. But, like, he couldn't, he couldn't do anything. I mean, that, that's the, the simplest and hopefully nicest way to say it because he is a, a terrific young man by, by all accounts, but he, um, he cost himself some money or Baylor cost him some money 
you know, th- this in this title game and really, you know, in, in this final four, because he wasn't terrific in, in, in the semifinal game either. Um, his, his draft stock, it, it, people will say uh, Davion Mitchell really improved his draft stock in this NCAA tournament. And I think that's true. Uh, Corey Kispert did not help himself. And, and this last impression against, you know, power five athletes really um, it complicated things for him. And if you go back and look, it's, it's always easier to do with this bit of, with the benefit of hindsight. Like I'm not going to sit here and, and play Monday morning quarterback and act like I knew this all along. I didn't, I was wrong. Uh, but like you go back and they beat these really good teams in the non-league portion of their schedule, right? That's what we're saying. Like, okay. But like, Iowa, they don't out, they don't, they, they're not going to out athlete you. They're good. They're not going to out athlete you. Virginia, they're good, but they're not going to out athlete you. They never faced anything close um, to a team with this kind of athleticism. And I think that really showed up and it showed up early. They look shook. They look shook early. Like they knew, man, these guys are coming in ways that we have not seen before. It, 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 it Mark, on the sideline looked like concerned and his players looked shook. There's no denying it. And it was evident from press row within the first five possessions of the game. And, uh, Timmy was flustered. The mustache celebration down like 14 at that point, misguided to say the least, <laughs> not what you want from that in that, in that spot there. Uh, and boy, oh boy, did the Baylor fans notice that they were very ready for it, but Congrats to, listen, congrats to the Drews. The Drew family, man, his parents, I got a chance to talk with them and Bryce, and uh, it was it was a really cool moment. I was actually interviewing Homer when one shining moment started in the, uh, in the stadium, and he started answering. He's like, oh, no, we got to stop. It's one shining moment. I was like, Homer, of course, of course. So Homer and Janet, you want to continue the list, or you want to run down this roster, my bud? Well, it starts with Scott Drew. He's a national championship coach right now. Shouts to him. And obviously, next you go to Kelly Drew. That's the first lady of Baylor basketball. And then, of course, you got McKenzie, Peyton, and Brody, not to mention Homer and Janet, Bryce and Tara. Bryce doesn't care. He does care. He doesn't. This is Bryce, and I don't care. Uh, okay. Okay. That's right. Assumed, okay. You actually had him record that. This is Bryce, and I don't care. <laughs> I've been I have been holding that for three weeks. <laughs> One more time, please. This is Bryce, and I don't care. Dana cares. Her husband Casey cares. Bryce and Anna, Isaiah, Caleb, and Luke. I know they care. Plus Drew Barrymore, Drew Carey, Drew Brees, Drew Bledsoe, Doctor Drew, Drew Gooden, Drew McIntyre. Shouts to every Drew. It's funny how this worked out. <laughs> exactly. Except Drew Timmy. Exactly. <laughs> Except Drew Timmy. You're also forgetting Scott's Fuck. brother-in-law, Jeff Schwab, his wife, Katie, their kids, <laughs> Ansley, Bennett, and Emmy, and their dog, uh, Huck. Shouts to Huck and shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. To those who have discovered this podcast in the past three months or six months or year or two years, I think it was 2017 or 2016 where we somehow stumbled upon talking about Terry Teagle because Baylor was really, really good after a game or in the middle of a season. And we didn't know who the hell he was then, but it is no coincidence here. It's just not. 
since that has happened, and this is the culmination here, Baylor has changed as a program. I, I think the evidence is clearing in at this point because from there, it was a five seed, then a three seed, little, little dip, 19 wins, not to the tournament, then in the tournament again two years ago, would have been a one seed last year and now a championship. I don't know where Terry Teagle was tonight. I don't know who he was with. I don't know how he took this game in. But my mind was on Terry Teagle for about the final five minutes of this game. I don't my know what your mind was, but I was thinking about Huck, about playing that Bryce Drew clip on you, as you didn't know that was coming. I didn't have that. And then Terry Teagle. Uh, my thoughts were obviously with Terry Teagle. He's a legend. Also with Bill Henderson and Grandma Jewel. <laughs> exactly. I know, she, I know hang, she's smiling hanging, up there. Hanging out Paul, on the Paul, Paul, Paul probably furious, if I'm being honest. You know, I never saw that side of him, but I'm certain there had to be a jealous streak somewhere with Papa. So uh, he's probably not having the best night of his life or of his death, <laughs> rather. But uh, <laughs> but I was happy for Bill Henderson and uh, oh, man and Grandma Jewel. I can tell you exactly where Terry Teagle came from. 2016-17 season. This is the way. This is the way this stuff happens. Jonathan Motley. Mm. Who I, who I had forgotten until five minutes ago, was having an incredible year. And I was like, Jonathan Motley might, might be an, an All-American. And I started going like, well, well, when's the last time Baylor had like a first-team or a second-team All-American? And I stumbled into Terry Teagle. And I was like, who is Terry Teagle? And in fact, I think if anybody ever got really bored, and I mean really bored, really, really bored, if you could ever find the first mention of Terry Teagle on this podcast, I think I called him Terry Teague. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was like, Terry He's Teague. not the legend. And now he's Terry Teagle the legend. Uh, I got a Terry Teagle poster waiting for me at my house. eBay says it's been delivered. Man. So I'm fired up. What a night. What a victory for Baylor. So now let's focus on Gonzaga. What is the proper way to look back on the Zag season? We'll get into that next. But first, let me remind you that it is Masters Week. Butler Cabin, Green Jackets, Azalea's DJ, Brooks, Rory, Jordan Speed coming off a win. I can't wait to see Augusta National on my screen. CBS Sports obviously is your home for it. Whether you're looking to watch on the range, featured groups, Amen Corner, holes 15 and 16, it's all available on CBSSports.com, the CBS Sports mobile app, and Paramount Plus. Even the CBS broadcast this weekend, it'll be available online. So make sure you're streaming. The best golfers in the world and the best tournament in the world. It's Masters Week in April for the first time since 2019. And the best way to follow it is via CBS Sports. All right, dead leg. You referenced this already, but let's circle back to it. You told me two nights ago that win or lose, Gonzaga should be remembered as an all-time great team. Do you still believe that? Because let me just help you. They're not going to be. Which is what I said the other night. That's a little problem for me right now. That's a little bit of a problem. They are, as was inevitable, because there was never going to be a result that changed this. Um, they will finish the season number one in Ken Palm. Baylor will be the second best team, which is not uncommon. We have had national champions not finish number one in Ken Palm. Uh, Gonzaga still rates as nearly three points better uh, than Baylor. But 
But I got to walk it back. I'm not going to be stubborn here. When you go up against the team that was ranked second in the in the overall seed order and the team that was considered the yang to your yin for most of the season and you lay that big of an egg as a program that doesn't have a national championship yet i this was the one result that would have to change it if it had been competitive if baylor had won you know in the final minute by 2 3 4 points but it was a back and forth game then it's a, i think it's a different story and then we're talking more about Baylor, you know, gutting out a, a tremendous win and giving us a great championship game. It's not how it happened here. Gonzaga got its ass kicked. And it's it's so it doesn't change how I feel about the program and what Mark Few's done. It's still incredible. 31 and 1 is amazing. Statistically, was still the best team in college basketball this season. Had the best record in college basketball this season. Had the best two-point shooting team in the history of college basketball this season. Had one of the top three offenses in the past 20 years. All of these things are statistically and empirically true. But you cannot be considered... Like, Duke is one of the best teams ever to not win a national championship from 1999. It played an epic against UConn in the same exact situation. One and two in the preseason. Top two teams heading into that tournament. Amazing affair. UConn wins it in the final seconds. That wasn't this. This was... A demolition, a throttling, a, a strangulation by Baylor. And because of that, Gonzaga will have, you know, it will have this as the next thing that people will use against the program. And some of that's, I think, in bad faith. But you lose that way. It's it's too big a game. It's too big a margin. You were never in it. It will... Uh, it will prevent this Gonzaga team from being remembered as a truly great team. It just will. It just it, you can't get around it. I'm not you gonna. I'm not gonna t- yeah. try and talk myself into it because I know that that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Here's the here's the thing. I think it's a great team. It will not be remembered that way because of what happened in this game. And I think you make an important point. Not just because of what happened in this game, but because it's a program that has never won a national title. And there's a long line of people who will tell you they can't do it because they're a West Coast Conference team. And all they do, like even in my mentions over the past 24 hours before the game, there are people arguing on both sides of this, right? And one guy just kept saying, every year it's the same thing. They run through the West Coast Conference and they get a high C because we just think they're awesome and the computers say that they are. And then they get in the tournament and, and, and they don't win the national championship. Now they they have been in they've been in a, like a, a whole bunch of Sweet Sixteens in a row. They've now been in two title games recently. The idea that they just take advantage of the West Coast Conference, get in the tournament, and then flop—that's not true. It just—it's like this is stuff you could actually look up. It's not true. The problem for them is that there's a group of people who insist they can't do something for reasons that are sometimes sensible, often not. But until you do it, you can't get those people to budge. It doesn't matter what Ken Palm says or Torvik says or what the box scores say. You can't get those people to budge. And so you start thinking of other teams that were undefeated deep into the NCAA tournament and and how they're remembered. Like 91 UNLV is actually remembered as a great team. 
even though it was upset in the final four and it's undefeated season over like that. But here's the thing it had going for it. They had just won a national title the year before. So you couldn't stand up and say, see, I told you they were fraudulent because they just won the whole thing the year before. They just happened to lose a game that they weren't supposed to lose in the NCAA tournament. But you couldn't point at it and say, see, I told you they couldn't do it because they had just done it. 2015 Kentucky, undefeated in the Final Four, loses to Wisconsin. You couldn't say, see, I told you they were fraudulent. I told you they weren't that good. I told you Kim Palm didn't know what was up because they just won a title three years earlier. Um, Gonzaga doesn't have that to point to. The Zags have been ranked number one in the country. They've been number one in Ken Palm. They've had pros. They've been one seeds. They've been in the title game. They've never done it. And this just reinforces that. I actually think as wild as this might be, there are going to be more people screaming anti-Gonzaga stuff now than there was a year ago. Even though in the past year, all they've done is finish first at Ken Palm and play for the national title. But because they got to the title game and then got run off the court, it will give people plenty of ammunition to say, I told you they can't do it. And until they do it, then I'm just going to keep insisting that they can't. Now, I'm not ruling out this could be a different version of Virginia. Virginia gets humbled and embarrassed in one NCAA tournament and then comes back the next year and wins the whole thing. I'm not ruling that out. And boy, that would be a great story. But here's the truth. I filed the top 25 and one preseason, which is just uh, be, be thankful. You don't have to do that dead leg um, because the transfer portal and there's still like a lot of the rosters are very much a work in progress, but you know, in the spirit of paid Jews, you do the best you can. And then you just update every time you need to. I had Gonzaga preseason number one um, based on a whole bunch of stuff that we'll get to in a minute. But when it became clear, they were going to lose this game. I changed it just because I didn't want to deal with the, what I knew I would deal with, which is, oh, how are you going to put them number one? You did this last year. And then the, when they finally had to play a team of athletes from a Power 5 conference, boom, they got ran off the court. You falling for that again? I was just like, you know what? I'll make somebody else number one. I just, I, you know, I'll make them number two. So Gonzaga is number two in the top 25 and one. But I didn't want to deal with the stuff that comes hand in hand with trying to tell the world after what just happened on that stage trying to tell the world, hey, guess who's going to be the best team in the country next season? The team that just got ran off the court. It just, it, I didn't think it worked anymore. Was that a fair thing for me to do or a cowardly thing for me to do? Cowardly, for sure. Uh, if you believed them to, to have the roster next season, which will include many players not on the team this season, uh, you should have stuck by your guns, but it's fine, whatever. We can get to that in a second. I will say the idea that... Well, how about this? Our, our, okay. like our, our friend, former colleague, Jeff Porzello, um, he did a preseason rankings as well. And, you know, he and I, we were texting earlier today, and I was like, I've got Gonzaga number one. He's like, so do I. He left Gonzaga number one, and when in a group text tonight, he was, he was like, my mentions are a cesspool. <laughs> like, like I, I, just did, I just said, you know what, I'm not – first off, I could make the case for somebody else. The case was made for UCLA, and, uh, again, we'll talk about it in a minute, maybe. But, um, I, I, you know, I still think Gonzaga is going to be awesome. I got a number two. But trying to tell people that program's going to be number one next season, just you wait, it just felt like I was inviting stuff that I didn't feel like inviting. 
My final thought on what we're talking about with Gonzaga here is I'm not going to just pretend like they didn't play teams from power conferences that have real athletes. Baylor's just that much better than everyone else. West Virginia, well-equipped. Kansas down here, I admit it. Iowa, your point on them is accurate. Virginia, no. But Oklahoma had a roster with some dudes on it. Creighton definitely had a roster with some dudes on it. But not athletes. Not athletes like this. I mean, it's not like Creighton was uh, Zagorowski, pro. Damian Jefferson and Denzel Mahoney are a handful. So it's not like they didn't have those guys on their roster. That's the thing. Not like Baylor, but it's not like they had not faced. They faced the freaking number three pick at worst in the draft and made them look horrendous in Evan Mobley at USC. And right. USC also had some guys. So Baylor is another class. So when we talk about what Gonzaga couldn't get done, deserves plenty of critiques and criticism and if you want some dismissiveness with that that's fine but also when you're going to do that acknowledge that what Baylor did to Gonzaga on Monday night it was capable of doing to every other team in college basketball every other team so I think that's just an important piece of context when we talk about this and because Gonzaga didn't win it all this year it came one game short 31 and one just because it couldn't do it doesn't mean that it can't eventually do it. They might have a Virginia situation. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Um, my la- oh, One more quick thought on this. Because I was thinking about this on my drive back from the stadium to the hotel. If we didn't see this this year, are we ever going to see a team go undefeated? Gonzaga, because of the pandemic, and there were factors tied to it that made this season extremely challenging. Like, ask any coach and player. In many ways, they'll say, yeah, we didn't have to face, like, Games on the road with packed houses, but in many other ways, like this was a season that was especially trying mentally, physically, everything, right? But they only had to play 32 games. You know, if they had won it, they would have matched Indiana. It's not over for Indiana 76. It's not over it felt for like them. It felt like it was going to be it's over. It's not for over for them, GP, but they would have matched their 32-0 and record. Now, in a, in a normal schedule, in a normal year, you got to go 40-0 and almost certainly to do that. So... Was this our best chance? I mean, we had Kentucky six years ago. Prior to that, we weren't in the business when it was a question with UNLV. That was before our time uh, on the beat. I mean... I was being raised on the Metro Conference back then. Well, I don't know about that. You forgot about Nervous Purvis, freshman. Freshman mop. Heard plenty of flack about that that we didn't need when we are recording this podcast. Yeah, I was, just trying to, I was just trying to get four hours of sleep. Exactly. I wake up the people... Pick, Tweeting Purvis Ellison at me now. Not appreciated whatsoever. Okay. We're aware of Nervous Purvis. Grew up on Nervous. Never Nervous Purvis. There we go. Grew up on Never Nervous Purvis. Now, if we didn't see an undefeated team this season, are we ever going to see one? Yes, of course we are. We've almost had it. We've almost seen it twice in the past six years. Okay. Of course it's, it's going to happen. Give me hope. Give me hope. It's going to happen. How about this? You ready for a prediction? Put this, put this oh, prediction down. Gosh. Gonzaga's going to do it someday. Someday the Zags will be undefeated national champions. If there's any, well, that's the, that was what I was leading in, into. If there's anyone that's going to do it, tonight's result aside, it's going to be Gonzaga by pure nature of the league they play in, right? That's why we think they can do it. They, they are recruiting at a level where they can get top five classes. They can, you know, peel off 18 wins, and that gets a lot of the you know, the inventory taken care of. Not that you couldn't have a Duke or Kentucky in a given year, sure, but Gonzaga just seems like the most likely candidate. Yes, that's my prediction. Gonzaga will do it someday. Just not this year. But they'll do it someday. 
So what are the Zags going to look like next season? What is Baylor going to look like next season? We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So I had to do the preseason top 25 and one. It is published, CBSSports.com. I've got uh, Gonzaga at number two. I've got Baylor at number five. And it is based on projections with both programs' rosters. Here's the way I projected Gonzaga's roster. Tell me if you think it's right or wrong. Jalen Suggs gone. Corey Kispert obviously gone. Uh, I think Joel Ayayi gone. Drew Timmy back. Nimhard back. Add Chet Holmgren, plus another five-star guard. That's where I'm at on Gonzaga. Obviously, Drew Timmy's the big one. But I'm not sure he'd be picked if he went into the draft. He's, he's, he's a little bit in the Luka Garza situation. Like, you can come back and be preseason national player of the year, or you can go into the draft and maybe you're picked 53rd. Yeah. Yeah. You think he comes back? Yes. Right now in the aftermath of this game and how bad he looked. I mean, there were just spot. They were just, he is getting demolished in pick and rolls. I think his ceiling of getting picked is 45. So I think he comes back, makes our job easy because he is, he's he has to be the preseason national player of the year has to be. Uh, now he might not wind up being the best big on his team by the end of the season if Chet Holmgren is on the roster, but he would be the pick there. So you've got them too. That's your pick. You, you've decided Gonzaga at this point should be the second-rated team going in. I've got UCLA number one based on this. Every player who was a part of this Final Four run comes back. I, I'm not assuming Chris Smith comes back, although that would be amazing. But every everybody who played in the final four run, comes back, including Johnny Juzang. And they also add a five-star freshman. So, and, and it's not like UCLA is one of those teams that just, I mean, I know they were an 11 seed that went to the final four. Got it. They also finished 13th at Ken Palm. So, a top 13 Ken Palm team that returns everybody and adds a five-star freshman. You tell me and be honest. Can I justify that as number one? 
Who do you have, three, four, five? UCLA, one. Gonzaga, two. Alabama, three. Duke, four. Baylor, five. And Baylor's projection is based on Jared Butler, gone. Davion Mitchell, gone. Macy Oteague, as a senior, moving on. Not taking advantage of the extra year the NCAA is allowing. So you bring back a core of Matthew Meyer, of Adam Flagler, of Jonathan Chamwachachua, LJ Cryer, bring back Flo Thamba, you lose Mark Vidal. So you lose four very important players, but you bring back, you know, experienced national champions. And then, you know, they add some some interesting recruits as well. So Baylor at, at five. That's that's the top five. And if I were going to make an argument for somebody not named UCLA um, or or Gonzaga, number one, I think you could make it for Alabama. Like if you look at what they've got and what, they're bring, what they should bring back and what they should enroll, you could make an Alabama argument. I mean, they were the SEC champs and tournament champs. And you could also make an argument for Duke because – like those two freshmen Duke are enrolling and they could get more, but like, that's, that's like Zion RJ type stuff. I'm not comparing them, but like, who's RJ? There's a a difference between five-star freshmen ranked 14th and 17th and five-star freshmen ranked like third and seventh. They're enrolling like third and seventh this season. So I think, I think you could make a Duke argument, but I went with UCLA just based on, Hey, the top 13 Kimpom team, they bring everybody back. They add a five-star freshman. They got the greatest coach in UCLA history. Um, you, you know, they, I, mean, I think you, yeah. I think you could make an argument for it, but I will say that um, it would have been very easy if the Zags would have won this national title. It would have been very easy to just say Gonzaga is number one in the preseason, but because of the way they lost the game, it's just hard to, it's just hard to say, I promise you this time, this is this will be the time they're actually the best team in the country because the pushback is it would have been relentless and intense and, and and possibly warranted. Listen, I'm not trying to drag this podcast out any longer than it needs to because, oh boy, we still got stuff to do here. But if that Gonzaga roster played that UCLA roster, what do you often go to? If these two teams met, who would be favored? And Gonzaga would be favored. Gonzaga would be favored with that roster against UCLA, in my opinion. It would be considered to be the better team. So I understand your reasoning on this, and we don't have to overthink this. And we got, we got. It's the first day of the, of the off season for like seven and a half months. Uh, UCLA spicy. I like it, but if you had stuck with Gonzaga, I would have been proud of you. I didn't have that kind of courage. I didn't have that kind of courage after a night like tonight. You got Lapis going at you in the bullpen, so I'm sure it's been. It would have been. It would have been. I'd have been. I'd have woke up to text messages from former NBA All Star Wally Zerbiak asking me how I could rank that team number one when we just watched them get completely outclassed by a Big Twelve. Man, you know, one lingering thought on this, and then we should really get out of here. Just. First of all, this pandemic season is behind us. The pandemic's not behind us, by the way. Not behind us. Oh, oh, oh. By the way, did you see the headline? Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Tell the people what happened. I believe you're referring to the fact that a bartender at St. Elmo caught COVID and died. 
Yes. Yeah. I what saw in that. the world? Deadly pandemic, my man. I've that's been trying to tell you. I've never seen one like this. Terrible, terrible. So the pandemic's not behind us. Yeah, that's that was a headline existing co- uh, concurrently with the final game of the season. Um, but this pandemic season is behind us. And for all the high, the buildup, you know, tw- 48 hours, two-day turnaround, uh, just a little bit of a little bit of a bummer that we couldn't get a game that came close to the hype for it. That's all. So, and sometimes this happens, you know. It's the nature of uh, of one-offs. You get it in college football championship games sometimes. You get it in Super Bowl sometimes. And here, college basketball. It was an amazing matchup going in, but Baylor had no intentions and zero designs on making this game uh, meet the hype. It, it wanted to get that thing over early with, and it basically did. And, uh, and congrats to Scott Drew and that program. Because uh, a win like this, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how – how Baylor is in the next couple of years. Scott Drew is only 50, okay? If he wants to stay at Baylor forever and never move to another job, then there is the potential that this could be top 10 level program going forward. Uh, but he is only 50, and, and winning championships can do a lot of things. For him. He's already been you know, considered for other jobs in the past, and I'm not trying to push him on out of Baylor. Would never do that. But he's got a lot of coaching horizon in front of him. And I'm interested to see if this is truly the apex or if two, four, six years from now, um, his story, Baylor's story, how it basically evolves from here. Is this a one-off or is Baylor going to be a team in the near future where we are at least, you know, talking about them being final four caliber more often than not. I'll be interested to see how they, uh, how they adjust going forward. I never tell another person what to do with the career for reasons we've established on this podcast before, but I will say this. You spend 18 years coaching in the shadow of Bill Henderson, and then you finally break out of that? It's not time to go. 18 years. 18 years. 18 years. 18 years in the shadow of Bill Henderson. I think that was actually the first. If you go back and listen to the demo of Kanye from 04, the first demo that leaked on LimeWire, that was that was actually his line. But then he, you know, the creative process took over and he took it out. <laughs> he referenced name dropped Bill Henderson. Yeah, wouldn't that have been something? That'd make my day. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. Legend. It's a legend. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast, Middle of the Dumbest. Pandemic of my lifetime. It's been a hell of a deal, dead leg. We lost a bartender at St. Elmo today. Like, I'm not even trying to be funny right now. That's that's terrifying. Yeah. Like, that person probably spent part of the past month even longer going, Man, the NCAA tournament, the entire thing's going to be here. And we're going to be busy. It's going to be a great time. Then he caught COVID. Now he's dead. They had a COVID outbreak at St. Elmo, and now the bartender's dead. What in the world? What in the world? So be careful out there. Our pandemic season is over, as Norlander properly put it. But the pandemic is not. 
We'll talk to you again. I honestly don't know when we'll talk to you again. No, no idea. But I do know this is our last podcast after 2 a.m. for like 11 months. We're done. Dude, with, I, we're we're you, done with this. Do you know? Do you have any idea how mad I am right now? Let me tell you how mad I am. I don't. I thought, oh, man, why did I have to talk? Why did I have to say something? Go ahead. I booked my flight home late so that I could sleep in on this Tuesday after the title game because I knew we would be up till it's now 3.09 Eastern. And now, because I'm the only one who will still be in town <laughs> tomorrow morning, I got to go on CBS Sports HQ in like five hours. And I still got a million things to do. I won't be I won't be in a bed till five AM. I should have just gone home. Yep. I was so I've never lied in my life. Not to to I've to never Quinn. lied in my life. That's no, no, a lie. No, I lie I lie all the time. I mean I never lied to Quinn, who who handles a lot of our booking. I never lied to Quinn my whole life. I was very close to lying. She was like, what time are you leaving Indianapolis? I was like, okay. I don't want to hear it at 855. <laughs> how, do, how do I hit? Because I knew where it was going. I should have said, oh, my flight's at 8, 815. Why do you ask? <laughs> I should have just lied. Gonna, I thought you're about it. nail this hit at 830. I'm, I, I know it. I'm going to be passed out because i got to try and get five hours of sleep before I drive 12 and a half hours back to Connecticut. Oh, oh you'll be sleeping while I'm I'll on HQ. I'll be sleeping. That sounds fair. That sounds fair, dead leg. I had to write a column tonight. You did not. You had to be on. I had to be a television star. I had to also be on HQ, in the arena. <sighs> People still around. That was something. Woo. What in the world? We I've never go. seen one like this. I didn't see it coming. We'll talk to you again at some point this week. Till then, take care.